there's a saying you've heard probably even in some old western movies at some point, there's gold in them thar hills. We've been talking in January about uh, tackling our todays. Hebrews 3 says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. On that snowy, icy, or icy Sunday when we moved back to remote locations and we shared from uh, my home and Justin's home for worship and the word, we talked about um, how that brings us to the presence of God. That same bold word, boldness, in Hebrews 4 invites us to the presence of God, to our King. And then we spent a couple of Sundays looking at what is the meaning of boldness in the Bible. And we saw last week that boldness, as the Bible gives us that great truth, is not brashness, it's not an abrasive personality, it's not braggadocia, it's not bravado, it's not an irritating bull in a china shop kind of attitude. No, it's something so much greater and fuller and more profound. Boldness in the Bible comes from that awakening of the heart that Christ the Lord has given us new life in him, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can step into the future with goals. We can set smart goals as we, as we launch into a new year. And really, here on this fifth Sunday of January is a good time to both chart the future and think and prayerfully about it, but also to review a month out of 12. One out of 12 is now uh, almost knocked off the chart here. How did you do? Uh, you might... Uh, you might not want to testify to that, or you might. I don't know. I hope, you, I hope you've had a very good month. But I really want to dig into this question because um, the reason we were looking at boldness in the Bible is that we want to explore what it means to see the challenge of moving forward in God with goals that honor God and when we find in Scripture some really great examples of how, how a good goal can serve for growth in life, but also that there's a difference in the way that a follower of Christ approaches this very compelling issue of goal setting than that which comes strictly from human wisdom. Now, we know in the Bible there's always a distinction, isn't there, between human wisdom and that which is distinctly given by Scripture for life and godliness. Now, let's think about those two just for a moment, and I want to invite you to think about the gold that God puts in good goals. For there are times when you know, if you're honest, <laughs> that your own goals can disappoint you. We also know there's an opposite danger. There's the hazard of maybe goals that are either um, out of reach or become thwarted for various reasons. That's one problem. But we know, too, there's another problem that the human mind can slip into, and that is to just forego setting goals at all. And that's what Paul the Apostle addressed from the converse standpoint as an error in life when he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I do, not, I do not fight like a prize fighter. I don't fight as one who's beating the air. But in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul the Apostle used that athletic image of a, of a runner 
pursuing a goal to say, I run toward God's presence and God's will in my life. And the, the J.B. Phillips translation has a nice little rendering of 1 Corinthians 9.27. This is just introductory. I want us to think about this. He says, I run, the translation he gives of that phrase, I run with purpose in every step. Would you say that aloud with me? I run with purpose in every step. Now, that rendering is very helpful because it brings together a biblical picture of goal setting, which is quite different than the, than the strictly natural reasoning. So when we look at it from this standpoint, we can see a close connection between the promises of God Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Amen? And then what does it go on to say there? You all know it by heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, now the, the striking balance of Scripture, many examples in Proverbs, many examples in the life of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, many, many examples across the spectrum of Scripture would show us that there's a, as they used to say in the Deep South, there's a ditch on both sides of this road. <laughs> and the ditch on one side is to not set goals. That's aimlessness. Paul said, I don't fight aimlessly. I don't go about life with just a, I don't just wander around in life. His purpose was a keenly defined purpose that resulted from prayer, from study of God's word, from charting out projected goals, trusting God for the unknown, and as we'll see, making changes. So the ditch on one side of the road is aimlessness. In 2022, don't you want to avoid the hazards of aimlessness? <laughs> the other side of the road, the other ditch on the side of the road is the, is the hazard of, of goals of getting hurt and frustrated or discouraged or depressed or disillusioned because of goals that never materialize. So I want to think with you for a moment about this key phrase. Now, it's on the screen here, this uh, phrase that we saw in our Bibles last week, and you might want to open your Bible to Acts chapter 20. We'll be looking today at some sections of Acts 20 and Romans 15, and uh, looking at these gold, at the gold that God put in the goals of the Apostle Paul. And I left you last week with a kind of a balance there where Paul, he would chart a course, he would chart out in a direction, but he knew that God, in his sovereign wisdom, might adjust that or change that. And it's that, it's that delicate balance between a clear-cut goal and yet an openness to realize that at our very best, none of us are perfect goal setters. So it's a learning process. And the difference, if you're in Christ, is that you can spiritually benefit even from that, those ups and downs and those zigzags of goal setting. And the key phrase that we see in Acts 20, 24, I've just highlighted it here on this title, title slide, is this phrase when Paul says in Acts 20, verse 24, you might want to find it right there in your Bible, where he says, so that I may finish my race with joy. That's the gold. That's the gold in the gold, 
in the goals. That's the gold God puts in our goals. Exactly what Paul said. Of all the things that would possibly have discouraged him and distracted him or sidelined him, Paul said in Acts 20, 24, I don't count any of these distractions or hindrances as significant against the great goal. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself. That 24th verse of the 20th chapter of Acts is a classic example of the Apostle Paul putting into flesh, putting into real life, what he learned from the Lord Jesus of that great statement of Luke 9, 23, when Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would cling to his life selfishly will eventually lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake and for the gospel shall find it. And Acts 20, 24 brings that directly into vivid illustration in the life of the Apostle Paul. Neither do I count my life dear to myself in a way that I might cling to my own life as compared to the glory of the goal for which I'm moving. And so what did he say? My goal ultimately, and I highlight it here because it can be your goal in 2022, it can be your goal from January 30th all the way through this entire year, you can say what he said, say it with me, so that I may finish my race with joy, with joy. Ultimately, we know that's that heavenly joy, but we can also apply it to the joy of an accomplished goal. So think for a minute with me about uh, an observation we could make. Again, the text that you've already opened to there, 24th verse of the 20th chapter of Acts, and then we want to pair that up with a little section over in Romans chapter 15, because here we see a, a, a beautiful example of how we might approach goal setting, but remember, with a different view than you can get from the 119 books in this motivational section of the Barnes & Noble bookstore. If you walk through there, you're going to find all manner of everything from, you know, the uh, the mind over matter people, the positive uh, thinking uh, nostrums, and all of that. And, and here's what I like to say about all of that, by the way. Everything from Norman Vincent Peale to, uh, you know, to Wayne Dyer to, to Joel Osteen. I mean, just, you, you just span the horizon. The, there, there, I, sh I said 119. No, I'm wrong. There are a million hundred and nineteen uh, views on motivation and, and positive thinking and, and get your goals in gear and all that. I mean, the, the, the bookstores and Amazon is just jam-packed with it, right? Our question should be, as followers of Christ, is not that we wholesale reject all, all uh, human discoveries. There's valuable things to be found in so many of these great writers. Uh, there, are, there's great, there are insights and principles that God has placed in human experience, and um, all valid knowledge comes from our Creator, Amen. So there's much valuable truth that can be gained. However, where we miss it is that the, the, the core issue that distinguishes, so vital, the core issue that distinguishes human reasoning about goals and a follower of Jesus with his or her goals is that for a follower of Jesus, Christ our Lord is the center of the goal. And the motive behind the goal is that we might glorify him 
by, yes, maximizing the potential that God has put within us, aiming toward goals that will improve us spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially. All of those things are valid. The difference is a follower of Jesus embraces what we saw with Paul, that I don't count my life clinging to my needs as the motive behind this. It is that I may finish my course for Christ with joy. And that beautiful fact puts it in a different light. So again, give a quick observation to that 24th verse of Acts chapter 20. And notice that what has preceded this is that the Apostle Paul has called the elders of the Ephesian congregations together there at this um, port city on the Aegean Sea called uh, Miletus. And in this encounter, which in and of itself is the result of Paul having shifted many of his goals in order to impart to these leaders a vital truth for them to be prepared in his absence to see the congregations of Ephesians, the Ephesians cosmopolitan area, grow and develop as followers of Jesus. And in that 24th verse, he is explaining the goal of his life to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, clearly, that's the Apostle Paul's goal. Now, let's be personal, though. Let's refine this, because um, in all of our goal setting as followers of Jesus, we can tie right into that same stream. And because the Lord has a plan for all areas of your life, even in a very tangible, practical goal in your life, you can bring that under that umbrella of the great goal that my life, I want my life to reflect the good news of the gospel, therefore I have this other goal. And it puts a different element of motivation in your life when you can say, every day, Lord, I'm partnering with you with this goal. But in Paul's case, we see the, the key reason I want to think about gold in your goals is that for Paul, in order to get to that course finishing, he had to suddenly change his goals dramatically in midstream. Now, look at that 15th chapter of the book of Romans, and you'll see an example. Uh, the, the, the actual um, travels of the Apostle Paul play a big role in this, and I'm going to give you just a quick glimpse of that because there's so much more we could see that would help to open that up. But I want to hit the part that I think would help us today to make quick applications of how can I be a Christ-centered goal setter. That's the gold in the goals. How can I be a Christ-centered goal setter? And in Romans chapter 15, verse 14, there is a basis for this. In the text, the Bible speaks of something God has invested within each believer by grace. Uh, Josiah led us today in the, gra in the amazing grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. That, that's so perfect for understanding these two elements of grace. That grace is that unmerited favor that we receive from God through the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. There's another meaning of grace in the New Testament. An application of the term grace is that it is the empowering ability the Holy Spirit gives us to carry out God-worthy goals. And Romans 15, 14 hints at this by speaking of Paul's confidence that as he left those Ephesian elders... And as he writes to these believers scattered across the city of Rome, in both cases, he is aware that, listen, God has put something in the saints 
that is an incredible untapped potential. <laughs> and he wants us to be aware of it, that God's grace does indeed put potential in the lives of his people that needs to be developed. This is a fact Paul aims at in Romans 15, 14. Concerning you, my brothers, I myself also, I'm reading the New American Standard translation, by the way, just track with me in your ESV or NIV. I'm, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Now, if you slow down enough to read a text like that, you, you know, your mind might be spinning because you might be thinking, now, wait a minute, how is it that I have all knowledge? Well, clearly, you, you, might, you may say, what the Apostle Paul is really addressing here is a profound truth, and, and, and it's, it's really vital to see this behind this, the gold in this goal setting. His truth is, is not that you know everything. I mean, I know now David does, but not everybody else, right? No, it's, his goal is not that you know everything. Uh, it, his goal is not, in fact, it wouldn't even be true to say plurally. We might somebody say, well, he's talking about the whole body of Christ. Well, no, because even the whole body of Christ is fallible. Amen? <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, even it can't even be a collective fact because even if you had, a, if we had uh, uh, 30,000 Christ's followers in this place today or in, in a, an arena that would fit that many people, even there, it's in imperfect knowledge. Doesn't 1 Corinthians chapter 13 say, we see in part, we know in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then, will she, then shall we know even as we are known. So what is he saying in Romans 15, 14 when he says, you yourselves are full of knowledge and able to counsel one another. Here's what he's getting at. The profound truth that we might parallel with um, Philippians 2.5 and 1 Corinthians 2.16, just like this, just to put these together. For Philippians 2.5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says an amazing thing. We have the mind of Christ. Now, he's not saying that in some, uh, some mystical way that all of us actually have the whole all the mind of Christ. He's making a profound statement about what Christ has done through the cross and his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of God the Father, and that is that God's word tells us clearly we have become heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ Jesus, and all the riches of what he has obtained now by virtue of the new birth, by virtue of the covenant truth of Christ and his kingdom, you are recipients of that wealth of knowledge. Now, why would he say that in Romans 15, 14? It's because I believe Paul is using his own life in the following verses as a vivid illustration that God blesses the setting of good goals in our course of life as long as we are aware that even our goals are a part of our partnership of growing in our spiritual walk. They're growing in our walk with Christ. And he wants you to have confidence in the fact that you can draw from these resources that he's put within you. Now look down further in Romans 15 to see what Paul had to discover. The 16th verse, we're going to skip around a bit because we want to just get this real highlight here. Romans 15, 16. 
to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is now summarizing in the 16th verse that his whole goal in the future ministry that he anticipated was to be the messenger, the primary door opener, pioneer, missionary, if you will, to the Gentile world. And indeed, that's what happened. But when, if you keep your finger in Acts 20, when you toggle back to Acts 20, you see what was he doing on the end of his third missionary journey. The goal to go west to Rome, and as he says in Romans 15 and verse 24, run your eyes down to that verse, the 24th verse of Romans 15, whenever I go to Spain, I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Now think about this uh, in terms of a map, okay, because this is quite interesting. The goal in Paul's journey was to be bringing the gospel to the Gentile world, right? And we know scripture calls him the apostle to the Gentiles. It emphasizes that because of the mystery that is shown in Ephesians chapter 3 of the full participation of Jew and Gentile in the new covenant, right? Now, we know that if Paul was only going by his first goal, (laughs) it would be from the Aegean Sea, it would be to go west. His goal would have led him west. But what's happening? Toggle back to Acts 20. What's happening in Acts 20? He's actually getting ready to go southeast down to Jerusalem. Why? Here's what's wonderful. The goal in Paul's soul was a glistening golden truth that came to fruition throughout his future ministry. And the letters of the New Testament give us that, don't they? The the pastoral epistles to, to Timothy and Titus at Crete and Ephesus are the result of that. The book of Galatians is the result of that. The book, the first and second Corinthians is the result of that. First and Thessalonians is the result of that. Paul was the primary pioneer, trailblazing missionary to the Gentile world, opening doors that other missionaries then followed behind. And yet, in Acts 20, he has to completely redirect his action in the opposite direction, going southeast to Jerusalem. That's why I call it a course correction. Look at that 25th verse of Romans 15. The 25th verse of Romans 15 shows the course correction. Now, hopefully we're going to see this is relevant to all of our goals in 2022, because if you look at the 25th verse of Romans 15, you see the words, but now. Would you say, but now with me? Okay, now, get the picture. He says, I want to come to you in Rome. Which direction is that from where he's writing? West, northwest. But now, say, but now. I'm going to Jerusalem. (laughs) Wait a minute, Paul. I thought you said your passion was to go to the Gentile world. No. Say, but now one more time. But now, I'm going to Jerusalem to serve the saints because he was taking this offering for the beleaguered saints all around Jerusalem who were suffering through a time of of, uh, extended famine, and, and they were 
demonstrating from all the primarily Gentile churches, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, they were demonstrating to the saints in Jerusalem the missionary passion of every church. I, I, I just shared a couple of thoughts with you yesterday about the body of Christ in our email because I am in love with the body of Christ. We should cherish and rejoice in the wider truth of the body of Christ. Every local expression of the body of, of church has a strong connection to bless the body of Christ. And this is what Paul modeled there. Look at that 26th verse of Romans 15. For Macedonia and Achaia, that is the churches there, have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. It was vital that Paul take that to them. And then look at this third key point here. A crucial overlooked key Paul emphasizes is verse 30. Look at Romans 15:30. Now Paul is aware, think of it, he's had to redirect the goal that's primary in his heart so that he can carry out a vital task of equipping the Gentile churches to have a missionary connection with the Jerusalem believers and to bless them in their time of need. And what is the crucial key that is often overlooked? Look at verse 30 of Romans 15. Again, reading the New American Standard Bible. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. In other words, you see... Paul sets a model for smart goals because he gathers the believers into this shared venture of prayer together because he's not given up his primary goal to go to Rome, but he's got an interim goal going the opposite way at great expense, at great sacrifice, at great adversity, in fact, exposing himself, as we know, to being captured and imprisoned, and then appealing his case to Caesar. And God uses that, that uh, circuitous route through the judicial process of the Roman Empire to bring the apostle to the Gentiles to the very palace of the emperor. God sovereignly directed his steps because Paul was not afraid to first set a goal Pursue the goal with passion, but stay aware and awake to the leading of God and the priorities of God. And so his goal got adjusted in the midst, and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was fulfilled in his life. He trusted in the Lord with all of his heart. He leaned not to his own understanding in all of his ways. He was acknowledging God, even when he and the companions that he was traveling with had to, in order to make their time within that brief remaining four weeks, they'd already lost two weeks after Feast of Unleavened Bread over at Philippi. They had only seven weeks total to get all the way to Jerusalem before Passover. And in a quick series of stops on a seafaring journey, Paul charted out, think of it, goal number one, as we saw in Romans 15, but... He did that while he was en route to goal number two. That is, Paul had goal number one, bring the missionary offering to Jerusalem. Goal number two is the goal to get to Rome. And God brings all of this about 
through a very complicated process that required him to be nimble and to be willing to change. So I ask you, what are your top three goals in 2022? And would you think about it like this? If we take the biblical snapshot of the Apostle Paul, we can see that a part of the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible addresses very significant, present tense, everyday needs, and it does it by showing us how powerfully God can work in unexpected circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, um, any more than three goals, one goal is, is a lot, and uh, any more than three is more than you're probably going to wrap your, your energies, your time, your thoughts, your preparation around. So think of it, one, two, or three. Maybe you don't have any yet in mind, or maybe you're sitting here thinking, yep, there's two goals I've got in mind for this year. They're in my brain, or there's one, or there's three. So I'm asking you to think of this in a kind of an open-ended way. What are some goals in your heart today? And as you think about this goal, the very first thing that we can draw from Paul's experience is the beautiful fact, and oh, it happened so many times for Paul, and it's, it's delightful to see how nimble he became over time, even under great duress. But the first thing that we often miss is you can begin again. You can start anew. You can discover the gold that God wants to put into your goals. Now, one way we might do that, of course, is what we've done already, and that is to draw from a clear example of Scripture how the Apostle Paul truly was goal-oriented, but he was not driven by the pop psychology, mind-over-matter, positive-thinking you can create anything out of nothing kind of Gnostic. No, Paul's goals were anchored in the tough shoe leather of raw reality. Paul had goals that compelled him to pour his energies into something that honored Christ. So you might ask this question about your goals first. How, how do I want to honor Christ? In fact, here's something to write down that would be a good way to kind of chart a goal. How in 2022, how would I want to honor Jesus Christ with new goals. Or make it singular, with one. You may have one primary goal in your life that kind of rises above the others. Or you may have a couple of areas that you want to address. Either way, you want to look at this. But, but preface it with that question. If you want gold in your goals, if you want smart goals... You can join together this very practical and very well-worn and well-known acrostic of SMART goals, but join it together with the image the Apostle Paul has given us, neither do I count my life dear unto myself. I'm not clinging selfishly to my, my goals in a selfish pursuit, but I'm saying, God, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's academic, in an array of areas, I want you to put gold in my goals. Now, first, we can just take this very common. This is something that's widely talked about, smart goals. And you can seize the initiative as a follower of Jesus in this way. Think of, is my goal specific? Does it have a specific aim? Again, Apostle Paul, he was specific. He was planning to get to Rome. And then by equipping and discipling in Rome, he, his ultimate goal was to get to Spain. The, um, 
The, the noted historian Eusebius writes in the early 4th century after extensive research, uh, a strong belief, though it is unproven, but a strong belief that Paul did in fact reach Spain before his ultimate uh, crucifixion under a Roman emperor. Whether he did or not, we know he reached heaven. <laughs> and, Paul, and Paul says in, in 2 Timothy 4.8, um, for I have run my race, I've finished my course, I've fought the fight, and now there's laid up for me a crown which the Lord, the righteous judge, has preserved for me on that day. So ultimately, a, the goal in a Christian's goals is the fact that we know that it doesn't honor God not to have goals. That's the aimless side. But neither should we set goals that are unattainable or that frustrate our efforts. There's a sweet spot. There's a beautiful blend here. Uh, is my goal specific? Is it something measurable? Can I measure it? Is it attainable? Is it something that is within the realm of what I should reasonably expect in my walk with God? Is it realistic? Is it timely? Now, there are a number of ways to, to see these and apply these, but what I wanted to do with this is to actually now fuse it together with that example of Paul like this. Remember, the first thing is he had a specific goal. Read aloud with me the text where he tells us this in Romans. I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. So after I have completed this task, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. Clearly, Paul had a Paul was task oriented. Are you task oriented? What's what's kicking in your life? Now, for many of us, that second part of the acrostic is it specific, is it measurable? This is where we can easily kind of get derailed and get into trouble. Because, in fact, let me turn that around positively. This is where you can get the greatest momentum. Is that you begin to say, what metric should I use in this area of my goal? I, I was, uh, one of my personal experiences was that, as you all know how much I love cycling and for some years, I was biking, I mean, a lot, a lot, with, with no metrics, with no, no computer at all. It's just, just, I just love cycling, and, you know, cut me loose and send me out on some back road, and I'll see you later. Bye-bye. But, uh, but about three years ago, I got into, I started getting the Garmin equipment and getting all set up with my computers and my Garmin watch and all that. And, and I was a little dubious about it, because I'm not, I'm not uh, normally geared to that kind of technology. It has enhanced my cycling significantly, and it's a, in a number of ways. Now, many of you have goals. Now, think about these goals academically. You may have a goal this year. You may want to take a course to improve some skill or some expand some capacity in your life. Fitness goals that we most all of us have. Uh, debt reduction, if there's an outstanding debt in any way, if you're dealing with an overload of, of uh, debt of some kind, uh, start creating benchmarks. How am I going to pay that debt off, get out of that debt completely, be completely debt-free, to move on. Um, nutritional goals, not necessarily just diet, although that's related, but what are some nutritional goals that are important to me? Weight loss goals, savings and investment, inquiring a skill, or some project. Many of us have projects that you can't do in a, in a week or a month. They're going to need to be ongoing projects. How am I going to create some metrics to move toward that goal? And it's in light of this that the, the example of the Apostle Paul really shines through in an interesting way. Because you could be here today in this January of 2022, and you've got goals in any one of those areas. And uh, there's one idea among some Christians that it's not even spiritual to talk about these things. But that's a serious mistake. Because actually, 
When Jesus said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly, he was talking about the whole of life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my finances. Jesus is Lord of my brain time. Jesus is Lord of our leisure time. Jesus is Lord of our academic goals. Jesus is Lord of my fitness goals. And then when we think of it this way, you can bring this great truth uh, that I'll have you read as our boys and girls come, and, and I'd love for them to hear this too, that physical training is of some value. Read that aloud with me, this text from Second T- First Timothy 4. Physical training is of some value, useful for a while, but spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way, for it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. Now, that text is a great wrap-up for Paul's example because if you look honestly at the life of the Apostle Paul, you see that he had both. He had—he um, clearly was motivated by goals of self-improvement. He developed his mind. In fact, one proof of that is the last words that we're bequeathed from the pen of the premier apostle Paul to Timothy just weeks before he was beheaded by a Roman emperor, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, please come before winter to my prison cell, and when you come, bring the books and the parchment. The apostle Paul was still learning in his dungeon cell. That is a powerful example of the right kind. What we're talking about is gold in your goals. It isn't aimlessness on one extreme. It's not unrealistic goals that are unattainable out on the other extreme. It's the gold of a heart that belongs to Christ and realizes, yes, physical training is of some value, the text says. It doesn't say it's of no value. It's of some value, but there's a greater value. And what's the greater value? Growing in God. So together, I want to invite you for a moment to think about that goal and and just uh, bow with me in prayer. And as we do, would you pinpoint in your brain, in your heart, in your mind, pinpoint a goal that's very important to you? I may have just very briefly skim the surface of that with that list, but you know the goal that's closest to your heart. And as you think of that area, it could be something that you're already making some momentum in, or it could be something as you're listening today, you think, I need to refire an old goal with our heads bowed, eyes closed for a minute. Anybody would lift your hand to say, I've got an old goal I want to refire today. Would you lift your hand? i got an old goal, okay? Now maybe, now would you lift your hand if you say, I'm renewing a goal today. I'm going to renew a goal in my heart. Okay, and as you lift those hands and think about that, what I'd love for you to carry like a, just like a treasure in your soul today is that God will put gold in your goal. If you'll give that goal to him and begin by saying, yes, Lord, I want you to truly be the center 
of my 2022 goals. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for bringing a clarity and vision and insight for each of us. Above all, Lord, we ask that, that we, could, uh, we could walk in a path of passionate and bold expectancy with the gold of a heart wedded to Christ in the center of our goals. In Jesus' name, amen.